0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by t-shirtcom the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. You're listening to the Day After podcast, our weekly occurrence. Next week might be a little difficult to have a day after a game, but today we'll do Carolina's win at Georgia Tech, win in Atlanta, Buck. And by the way, you're listening to uh, johnnytshirt.com Inside Carolina podcast. Buck. Carolina uh, didn't make it too terribly easy. Turned out to be a a comfortable margin. But like we've talked about, uh, Carolina football can be quite the nerve-wracker. And it was, at least for a little bit, there in Atlanta uh, before Carolina really grabbed hold of that game.
2: You got that right, Tommy. And when they cut it to nine points, I said, okay, here we go. But fortunately the team did not. Uh, And I I think, you know, Jason's talked about that before that um, when sometimes in North Carolina has been playing football and, you know, things start headed south. And I think Georgia Tech had the momentum big time at that point and North Carolina managed to seize it back. So Then they went on to make it a six point, 16 point win. uh, And with a score, pretty much what all of us predicted, except, you know, maybe take away. I don't know if I'd call it a garbage touchdown there at the end or not, but uh, certainly North Carolina didn't have um, a full complement of players on the field uh, at that point. So, you know, take it you know like uh the song goes uh wrap it up i'll take it 38 to 22 in georgia tech three and three on the year uh, i think mac brown sort of feels like he's on schedule uh, for his inaugural season so um, i'm gonna take it that way
1: yeah jason we'll on the second half of this podcast i want to talk about just that where carolina is at this point in the season but Let's talk a little bit about the good, the bad, and kind of the ugly against Georgia Tech. I thought Carolina, the game plan was surprising. Um, We talked about how bad their pass defense was, um, but their rush defense has been bad as well. So I was surprised that Carolina came out and threw it as much as they did. Um, But your thoughts on that and how these guys performed? I mean, obviously we can talk about the drop passes that have to stop. Um, But other than that, you know Carolina's game plan little but the performance aside from the drops i thought was pretty good
3: yeah i was a little surprised by the by the game plan as well uh just in the sense that like you said uh Georgia Tech was not very good against the run all season and they were okay against the pass and uh and they showed actually early on they they gave Sam Howell some trouble in terms of recognizing some of that stuff underneath and uh and gave him you know, that that he first interception of the year on when he didn't recognize a, a dropping blitzer very nearly through another one early on. Uh but at the same point you can't really say anything bad about the way they played in the passing game overall in terms of how well how successful they were doing what they wanted to do against Georgia Tech. So they saw some things there on film that they liked and they had some opportunities. Biggest problem is they dropped by my count, three what would have been sure touchdowns and two others that might've been touchdowns. So you're looking at how through four touchdowns in this game, he could have had seven easily should have had seven. And one of, by the way, the interception came immediately after the, uh, the one, the, the first one, I guess either the first or the second drop. So he doesn't have that interception either. If that, if that ball's caught for a touchdown. So, They've got, to, they've got to deal with the drops, no question. Um, I, I noticed in the, uh, in the post-game scoop, uh, Greg Barnes noted that, uh, that Daz Newsom was coming into the week tied for the lead in the conference and dropped passes and then dropped three more this game. So he's definitely in the conference lead now for drop passes overall. And Deami Brown uh, has six on the year, and that puts him at number two. I believe in the a c c in terms of drop passes, and you know that's not ideal when you're when when two of your three starting wide receivers are among the uh the 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 conference leaders that one and two in total drop passes, so you know that's um that's that's got to get better, and when you've got a true freshman quarterback especially you got to help them out, but overall again where they are offensively. You've got to be pleased because they were able to execute despite the drop passes against a pretty good, pretty uh, complex at times, Georgia tech secondary and, and, and defense. And I mean, again, when they, when they decided to amp up that, that tempo that with, they had 97 total plays 96. If you take out the kneel down that, once they once they amped up the tempo, you could see them really starting to hit hit some rhythm, and you could see a little bit of what this offense is going to look like in the future when they when they feel comfortable enough talent wise to start turning that tempo up without hurting their defense too much.
1: But one guy that certainly raised his game is Javante Williams, and I know a lot of people. And I saw Taylor's uh, breakdown over at Inside Carolina and. He talked about Javante certainly separating himself. I just I really like Michael Carter and what he brings to the offense as well. But there's no denying that Javante Williams has got big time written all over him. He showed it against Georgia Tech. 144 yards on 20 carries. Uh, I mean, it's nice for Sam Howe to be as good as he's been throwing the football, but just to turn around and hand it to 25. And that came against
2: a Georgia Tech Uh, defense in all fairness that has been relatively putrid against the run taking nothing away from Javante and you know taking nothing away from their running game plus nobody really had had that kind of success throwing the ball uh, against Georgia Tech not even the elf as uh, Jason likes to call him I think uh, Lawrence threw two picks down there and didn't have a great game, but Clemson ran for 400 yards, so it did not really matter. Um, but, you know, one of the things that's really interesting to me, and we talked about this some last week, is for Clemson, North Carolina had a very specific game plan, very deliberate. You know, they were huddling at times. Uh taking time off the clock, just really slowing the pace of the game down. And I think in the Clemson game, there may have been 65 total offensive snaps. And in this game against Georgia Tech, they had over 50 in the first half. And it takes, to me, I think that is a tremendously good sign Uh, because it's so hard to do to modulate tempo that way and get everybody on the same page okay against clemson here's the game plan here's how we're going to do it and everybody understands the philosophy and executes and and goes at that pace and is comfortable doing it and then the next game you turn around and you run damn near 100 plays uh so uh, you know, Longo, Phil Longo has come in for some grief on uh, the Tar premium message board on inside Carolina. Um, and, you know, part of that I think is due to, you know, sort of feeling like he was uh, holding down uh, Sam Howell and, and taking it very slow with him. But I think it's really paying dividends. And One of the best things, I think, about Phil Longo's offense, incorporating the run, you know, Javante Williams gets, as you say, Tommy, 144 yards on 20 carries. Sam Howes throwing for 374. And getting that kind of balance out of the offense and doing it in a different way, in a different tempo, probably the one that Phil Longo would prefer to go but still being able to dial it back for a specific opponent where that particular
1: strategy and that particular tempo gives you the best chance to win. Jason, I want to come back to you on Phil Longo, but let me talk about Johnny T shirt.com and Johnny T shirt on Franklin Street right quick. They are, of course, sponsors of this podcast. Great friends of Inside Carolina, great friends of the Carolina fan. You've got all you can possibly want online at johnnytshirt.com and you've got a ton of stuff in the store there on franklin street certainly a place to visit when you're in chapel hill for games for visiting college visits whatever your reason for being in chapel hill you need to make johnny t-shirt on franklin street your place to go and if you can't get there you certainly check out johnny t-shirt online and of course 10 percent off your order for all your uh inside carolina premium subscriber so place to go johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt online and they got one more promotion inside carolina is running a promotion it's through monday so through tomorrow if you're listening to this sunday evening if you're not a subscriber to inside carolina you need to check it out you got two months for a dollar you get to hear buck sanders and see his daily columns i mean that's worth at least two dollars a day And then you get all of Jason's breakdowns and you get all the football recruiting scoops from Don. You get basketball recruiting scoops from Sherell. It's just everything you could possibly want if you follow North Carolina sports. And of course the premium message boards are on fire. Exclusive gear discounts. I just talked about it with Johnny t-shirt and that 10% off and a great ticket exchange board. I could go on and on and on about it, but just go to inside Carolina. And if you're not a subscriber, click on that two months for a dollar and check it out before the promotion ends Monday evening. Jason, let me bring you in here. Buck said something I think we need to talk about here on the Inside Carolina day after podcast is how Phil Longo has really done well with this offense. I think it is fascinating, as Buck mentioned, the the modulation of the tempo. It's not just fast, 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 like we kind of talked about last week um, that Carolina tried to go over the last few years. It's speed when necessary, uh, methodical when necessary. And it's fascinating to watch Longo. And he did that well against Georgia Tech as it, you know, against a Georgia Tech team that they wanted to try to run off the field.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think Buck hit it on the head that it's not exactly easy to modulate that way. I mean, generally speaking, if you're a tempo team, you're a tempo team, a high tempo team. I mean, you, you don't see a lot of high-tempo teams decide to to slow it down a bunch because a lot of what you're depending on in those usually sim- more simplified attacks is having defenses out of position, having defenses not able to set up and, and, and get into position as well, not able to substitute and all that. And then slowing that down usually takes that away. So you, you, a lot of those coaches are not real happy to slow down because it makes it more difficult in their system. Now, the benefit of what Longo's doing is that he's really just running air raid stuff, which you don't have to run uh, at a high tempo. I mean, this is it's not the same as like the Kendall Bryles, Art Bryles approach, where you're running the veer and shoot, which is much more dependent on on the high tempo there. Uh, but you're running the same stuff that Mummy and Leech have run with a huddle for years. Now, obviously, you can run it up tempo, and that adds an additional layer to it as we saw this week, but the thing that I think they've done really, really well, and this to me, I've been, I've been really pleased and impressed by, and, and I know this is ridiculous to say, because I mean, the guy's a hall of fame coach got a national championship ring and all that, but I've been so impressed by the way that Matt Brown has managed the football team. And yeah, they, they've had some late game hiccups here and there, but in terms of, making the right decisions on when to call timeouts with a couple exceptions uh when to go for it on fourth down they they've they've been right on fourth down decisions all year uh when to to go for two at different points and and the thing is when in doubt they've defaulted to the slightly more aggressive option which analytically in each case the analytics have have favored them as well but they've also taken a more aggressive approach as, uh, than than traditional as well and the other thing that he's done so well and we've talked about this all year is the way that that mac brown has had the the, the offense and the defense married together and i know you know i i, I keep in touch with uh dave bartu uh, formerly of college football matrix and now doing A number of things and including uh uh, some some coaching uh, doing some coaching search consulting for different universities and dave when north carolina announced their coordinator hires he said oh man bateman is one of the best in the country no doubt but that's going to be a tough pairing for him coming from army and then being paired with longo who's a really good coordinator but you're gonna you're gonna have to face a lot of trials as a." as the defensive coordinator opposite him that 's going to be that 's going to be tough to put those guys together and what has mac brown done he's managed to get the get things to work knowing that you 're thin on you're thin depth wise knowing that you're in a new system and that you 're not as talented as some of the teams that you're playing and they're 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 being really smart with how they handle things like tempo. In order to make sure that it's not one side or the other of the ball that is that's favored, but the overall team that's benefited. So against Clemson, running a bunch of up tempo stuff isn't going to help you. It's going to make it less like And we talked about this before the game. If you if you recall, we'd said in the in the in the pregame podcast, look, this is a game where you want to shorten it as much as possible. You want to make this an eight possession game. You want to put this down to where if Clemson turns it over once, if there's a couple of mistakes here and there, now you've got more of a chance because there's not 14 possessions. You, they don't have multiple opportunities for their their greater talent and depth to just overwhelm you. You want it to be again, like go into a casino, you want to play a few hands, win big and walk away because the longer you play, the more the house is going to win. And and Mac Brown did exactly that against Clemson. He 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 recognized the talent disparity, recognize that the right thing to do is to slow that game down. Even though you're running an offense where ultimately you want to run a bunch of up-tempo stuff, what's the right thing to do when you're the, when you're a big underdog? Slow that game down. Use tempo really, really carefully to, to go lower tempo. Play four corners. Make this a, a, a basketball game that's going to be played in the 40s. And then you've got a chance that maybe they, maybe they only score 46 and you score 48, as opposed to you play it in the nineties or the hundreds and the better team's going to win a lot. I mean, that's what, that's what we've seen at North Carolina basketball for, for years. Roy Williams has said, look, if we're the more talented team, then we're going to run you off the floor. We want, we want to push this pace because if there's, you know, a hundred possessions in this game, (laughs) I like our chances of beating you. (laughs) It's the same thing. And, Brown has done exactly the right thing there, and then in this game, you're playing a team that you outclass talent-wise on both sides of the ball. And we talked about prior to the game. This is one of those games where you, you should win this game. You, you, you've got a better team. You've got better players overall. They're making adjustments in terms of getting set for systems. So what do you want to do? Let's just turn up the pace and let's let's play a hundred. Let's get a hundred plays in if we can. Well that's really smart now you've and it's not often that you see that you see programs do both, but in each case you're maximizing your chance of winning few plays against teams that are better than you, more plays against teams that you're better than that's exactly how you should play it, and he's been doing that and that does put more pressure on Phil Longo to be able to to get the offense to to execute. Even at the at at a at a pace that's not his preference, but they've been able to make it work, and that's been really really good to see. It's something that, again, I'm I'm always looking, especially when you got an older coach coming back, and you know, seeing seeing how he handles things in terms of the analytics and everything. Brown has been right on it on the analytics all year. He's made the right decisions, and that that's key.
1: But it is interesting, and that's fascinating how this staff is put together. Um, And we've talked about it a lot here, and it'll be talked about a lot more on on the website through the course of the week and over the course of the bye week. But one thing that Jay Bateman's been able to do um, is sort of cobble together, especially a defensive backfield, um, and and the hits just keep coming for Carolina's defensive backfield. I mean, Cameron Kelly's ruled out for the season before the game, um, after going through everything he had to go to to even get eligible from the NCAA. And then Trey Morrison goes down Saturday early, and I read something that he, you know, some sort of arm or left arm injury perhaps. But, I mean, at some point, Carolina's got to figure it out with young guys, and Bateman's done a good job of working those guys in. I thought Don Chapman looked pretty good, uh, though Carolina did give up some big plays to Georgia Tech in the second half. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a struggle
2: going forward, Tommy. I mean, without being Debbie Downer about it, I mean, you, you've you got Storm Duck, who's a true freshman, who's playing very, very well, by the way. But uh, he's still a true freshman, and true freshmen are going to make mistakes sometimes. And, you know, as the deeper they go, into, and Cameron Kelly, by the way, also a true freshman, uh, who's who's playing in the secondary, and then you had Trey Morrison, who's a soft true sophomore, and so they were already very young, they had their very best young players on the field, and now they're going to have to reach a little deeper uh to just to put players on the field now hopefully uh Trey Morrison could be back in two weeks. we don't know what the extent of the injury is uh, and and hopefully although this is not a defensive backfield thing, it would be really helpful if Jason Strobridge could get full strength um, in the defensive front. But, yeah, uh, Bateman has done a real good job with um, barbed wire, duct tape, paper clips, uh, you name it, uh, to uh, stitch together a competent defensive backfield and I suspect he's gonna probably find uh, spend the next two weeks trying to figure out where his next best options are and getting those guys up to speed. Um and as I said in my column today, fortunately for North Carolina, over the course of the rest of the year, they they don't have uh Dan Marino or Aaron Rodgers or uh Drew Brees or Uh, any of those guys on the schedule. I mean, what's left in uh, terms of the conference, uh, as far as quarterbacking is concerned, not to disparage those players. Uh, Bryce Perkins has done a good job at Virginia. He's not having nearly as a good year this year as he was having last year. But, uh, you know, there's some good quarterbacks in the league, but they are not world beaters. Uh, Probably... Well, I'm going to say this unconditionally. From here on to the end of the season, Sam Howell's going to be the best quarterback on the field for either team. So, you know, that's an advantage. But, uh, you know, those guys can still hurt you with their legs. They're capable of making some throws. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, Bateman certainly has his hands full just to get a, a two deep penciled in and hope it
1: makes it to... Uh, makes it through a game. Indeed. Big words there. Big predictions, Buck. You might get the uh, prediction award at the end of the season if that comes to fruition. (laughs) I'm going to take a short break, come back. I'm going to ask Jason and Buck about what Carolina needs to accomplish over the course of the next two weeks before getting back at it against Virginia Tech.
2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: We're back. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I am Tommy Ashley. That's Buck Sanders. Jason Staples with us. Jason, uh, how much can Jay Bateman do over the course of the next couple weeks to uh, sort of plug and play in that defensive backfield and on defense period To get Carolina ready for this stretch run, with at you know, at Georgia Tech's always been trouble at Virginia Tech, Carolina's had a little more success, but it's still um, there. And who knows what Virginia Tech team will show up. But Jay Bateman's got a lot of work to do um, over these next two weeks. How much can you get done during the course of a season when you've had the attrition that you've had, especially at the backfield?
3: Yeah, I mean, the problem is that when you're dipping into guys that you weren't expecting to play, you you're gonna have you're gonna have problems because you those guys didn't have just have not gotten the same number of reps over the course of the season to this point. What you're expecting is that guys get better over the course of the season. And you get better by getting reps in practice, by playing, by doing all of this all of the stuff that these guys haven't been able to do because they've not been one and two in the depth chart. So that, that's a hard thing. But you do get them thrown into the fire during the bye week. You do stick them out there and make sure that they at least know what they're doing. And, you know, you roll with what you got. But, I mean, at least they've been going through indie drills. They've been going through all the stuff that you're asking them to do in terms of leverage and tackling and, you know, all of that. But, yeah, it does get a lot harder. Uh, by the way, I should mention... One of the first things that, that, that came to mind, uh, I can't, I, we can't finish this podcast without it. One of the first things that came to mind at the very end of the uh, George Tech game was me thinking, man, t- dang, Tommy Ashley did prices right me. I, <laughs> I, I forgot about that, but I, I had to get that in there that, you know, you, you did prices right me, just, you know, got me by that $1. So anyway. Um,
1: <laughs> all, all it takes is one. You know, it's yeah, a winner or a yeah. loss, man. You took a loss.
3: I took the L there. Now, Buck got us both. Buck and no, he wasn't on the podcast there, but in in, our, uh, in in the inside Carolina predictions that we all go public with, you know, he had thirty eight to eighteen, so he got both of us. But uh, but anyway, um, but no, I mean it's hard for a defensive coach, especially when you're starting to lean on guys that are playing well, that they're starting to figure it out, and then all of a sudden that you don't have that guy. And the the biggest thing is that in some of these cases, those are guys that you're depending on to be able to 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 win a one on one. I mean, you're going. You you now you're down. Your two best corners. You're down Patrice Renee, and you're down. I mean, depending on when Morrison gets back, you're down him. So guys that you would otherwise depend on to maybe win a one on one, so that you can stop the run with an extra guy, or that you can make sure that the safety sh- shaded just a couple couple yards over the other side. You can't do that. And then to top that off, you lose Cameron Kelly. You know, Wolfolk is 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 banged up as well I mean you you start to get to where when you're trying as a a defensive coach when you lose a guy you try to compensate for that with you know making sure that you can move this over here or make sure that that call wise you favor this but when you lose enough guys you can no longer compensate you're just worse and and frankly that's where Carolina's at right now is they're just not going to be as good on defense as they would be and you you find a way to live with that you find a way to deal with that and you know that's the unfortunate um unfortunate reality but uh we'll see whether that you know how much that costs carolina in the second half of the season but it's certainly not ideal that they're going into these last six games really at about 60 65 or 70% of the strength that you would hope for defensively
1: uh jason with the little one in the background that's some that's some passion and some focus there to be able to get your uh your thoughts coherently out there when the little one uh, singing and dancing in the background, I was impressed, uh, Buck, you've had to do that in the past with dogs barking, um, which is always a good, good response to some of the questions I asked, but I'm going to ask you this question. Carolina's three and three is that on schedule in your mind for this team? Well, I think if you go back and look
0: at
2: all of our predictions at the beginning of the year, um, it would absolutely be on schedule. Now, uh, how they got there would have been totally different. But, you know, I, I felt like they'd lose to South Carolina and Miami. I, I felt like they'd win against uh, Wake Forest and Appalachian. And uh, I thought they'd lose against Clemson. I thought they'd beat Georgia Tech. So, uh, and, and we kind of all got through the uh, first uh, six games. And came out pretty much in the same spot, except for Mike Ingersoll. He was really dogging us, Sarah. You know, on his predictions. But uh, <laughs> um, you know how they got there—totally unexpected. The numerical result, three and three, perfectly expected. That—that's kind of where I felt they were going to be at up until the open date. I have to say, I feel a little bit more optimistic. Uh, on the back half, even though given the injuries of the defensive backfield and, and all the things that they've faced, uh, I've been very, very encouraged uh, by what I've seen. And based on yesterday's uh, results, I think I have a little bit more confidence that if they have to win a shootout, they've, they've got the, the pieces to do it. Um, you know, one, one thought that occurred to me yesterday when I was watching the first half, I, I don't know what part of the, it was middle of the second half, middle of the second quarter, or whatever. And, and the announcer started talking about how many plays North Carolina had run. And I had no idea they had run that many plays. It did not look to me as if they were rushing, you know, it, They were going fast, but they weren't hurrying. This is something that y'all talked about uh, before the Georgia Tech game. It it reminded me a little bit different uh, schematically in a lot of ways, but as far as tempo went, one of the few teams that could really go at that kind of pace without looking like they were getting in a rush or hurrying uh, back in the day was uh, Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon. You know that they could be they could run a hundred plays, and it would never look like they were uh, getting out over their skis. You know, trying to go too fast, and, and a lot of teams that do go high tempo don't look that way. They look like they're trying to rush, they're trying to hurry. So, even though North Carolina went really high tempo against Georgia Tech, and and I think they may have to do that in the future. Uh, you know, just based on their personnel situation, they seem to be doing it, um, going at that speed. Now it was Georgia tech. So keep that in mind, but they did not look like they were hurrying or rushing, even though they were running a lot of plays.
1: Indeed. I I thought that was when they said they had run that many plays, it was sort of shocking to me. Um. Jason, Carolina's in this bye week. They're three and three. The Coastal is insane. Um, Duke beats the snot out of Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Virginia Tech turns around and goes down to Miami. And if they didn't almost, uh, I'll keep it PG, PG crap the bed in the second half, they would have blown Miami out. Now Miami and Virginia play Friday night in a game that is huge for coastal implications. I mean, it's sitting right in front of North Carolina with the schedule remaining. Um, Your thoughts on the coastal and on Carolina's chances to get there. The defense will be an issue, but uh, you got to like Carolina's chances at this point, and I doubt anybody would have thought that going in. Yeah, I
3: mean, I I think Carolina has to – I would say has to be – Maybe twenty, maybe thirty five percent chance of winning the division, and that's that's despite the defensive stuff. That's because when you start looking at who has to play home and and who Carolina's already beaten, I mean Miami, Miami is is the most talented team in the division, but we we've seen they they, well they just they just got spanked by Virginia Tech. Although like you said, Virginia Tech did their dangest to give it back to them. But I look through the schedule and I say, okay, look, Pitt, well, they're Pitt and they're unpredictable. But personnel wise, North Carolina, is that's the one team they've had success against. Then you got Virginia and I've seen Virginia, you know, I've seen them in real detail. And as as good as Virginia is in lots of respects, their offensive line is not very good and Perkins is a really good overall quarterback but he's not somebody that terrifies you with his arm. Make him beat you over the top, make them win with some big plays and you can beat them. And defensively, I think they can be had by by a team that's got Carolina's makeup. Virginia Tech, well, they're Virginia Tech. The team that worries me if I'm looking at 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 the schedule is Duke, which is is sort of funny when you when you think about it before the season, but Duke is a team that they if they play anything like they did against Virginia Tech, they're the one that that I think I would probably favor to win the division right now, and other than that, you know, I think it comes down to North Carolina and Virginia i mean really, I think north carolina virginia and 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 Duke are your three teams that are most likely to win the division at this point. Which, like you said before the season, is that what you what anybody would have thought? I mean, Virginia being there, sure, but I, I think that's that's how things come, how things come down. And, and to me, the game that I'm really circling to see how the season sort of finishes out is that Duke game. If Carolina can win that Duke game, I think they win the Coastal.
1: Buck, you agree with Jason? There, it's hard to believe that. Uh, well, Carolina gets Duke and Virginia at home. Carolina's got to handle business in Blacksburg, but. Um, Who'd have thunk it going in? Carolina and Duke and Carolina and Virginia being in the catbird seats for, uh, you know, Carolina's chance to get that rematch with Clemson. That's crazy. Yeah, it it really is, Tommy. And,
2: you know, I totally agree with Jason that uh, Duke, um, you know, that might be the game that I would circle. You know, a lot of people will say that, Uh, we've seen, you know, actual topic started on, uh, tar pit premium board that, you know, UNC versus Virginia will be for the coastal title. And let's see, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to make that call yet. Um, and Duke, um, they've proven that, uh, they can score a lot of points. Uh, I mean, they scored forty-five on Virginia Tech. Although I'm not sure Virginia Tech has given up less than forty-five this year, um, and you know they can score points and they play good, solid defense. They're good on the back end. They they they're not uh, a team without flaws. They don't have much of a running game at all, um, and you know that they're not the only team in the conference. It's not doesn't have a good running game Pitt doesn't have a good running game at least not of what i saw uh saturday night you know against duke so i mean every one of these teams you know has um you know flaws and weaknesses here and there there's no complete team in the conference i suppose uh virginia will get closest but um you know even at this point you know, anything's possible. What we do know is that, um, uh, you know, North Carolina's one and one, uh, their one loss came, uh, to Clemson and they've got the tiebreaker over Miami, which it doesn't look like, like they're going to need because Miami's got two losses. Virginia tech's got two losses. Um, uh, Georgia tech has got two losses. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out and it it may just depend on how these teams can overcome
1: their weaknesses against each other down the stretch fascinating it's always crazy in the coastal i think it's pretty interesting i do not think five and three gets it done i think six and two can get it done and i think uh, but I do agree that the Duke game, the Virginia game, they are huge for Carolina. Those are the two teams that Carolina cannot lose to if they want to have any shot at the Coastal. Guys, it's always been fun. We're going to keep it a little shorter than normal on this one. Uh, heading into a bye week, a lot of content in Inside Carolina over the course of the next couple of weeks. Even though the Hills don't have a game, a lot of games worth watching. And I'm sure Jason, Buck, and myself will be checking out those games, specifically virginia and miami on friday night and don't forget to check out inside carolina get that two dollar or two month for one dollar deal that they got going on and also johnny t-shirt.com and johnny t-shirt on franklin street buck and jason always a pleasure to get this one knocked out on a sunday appreciate it guys we'll talk again soon always fun tommy enjoyed it jason
0: thanks for listening to another podcast from inside brought to you by johnny t-shirt.com Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time it's every competitor for themselves.
3: Best challenge ever! The challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.